If you don't circulate, you deteriorate. Frustrated with your pain or injury? That sucks, but I'm here to help. Hi, my name is Denise DeShetler and I'm a body worker and educator. Why is it so hard to find the care we need to feel better? Most of my clients have asked that question for years until we started working together. Now I'm gonna help you find those answers. I'll explore different health disciplines and chat with talented practitioners. We'll share our insights and practical advice to help you get the results you need to feel good again. Because seeking the right care for your health can be a pain in the arse. But with me, your wellness journey will turn into a fun-filled adventure. Buckle up, baby, for the Passionate Health Advocate Show. Welcome, listeners, and thanks for joining. I'm happy you're here. What do politics, habits, rituals, and fears have in common? They are all influences of cultural-caused diseases. Today we are going to a place where one whistleblower studies these links and shares his findings. Let's buckle up. Welcome to the land of medical anthropology. We are searching for Sidney Ross Singer, a pioneer of the field of applied medical anthropology, an internationally acclaimed author and director of the Institute for the Study of Culturogenic Disease. Is that you? Yes, it is. Excellent. Thank you so much for inviting us to the land of medical anthropology. It's a pleasure to have you here. You're going to be changed by this. I believe uh, that you may be correct on that. Yeah. Um, can you tell us what medical anthropology is? Well, there's uh, what we do is we try to understand how our culture makes us sick. Um, we uh, have a background in using medicine and biochemistry and anthropology. We try to understand how the things we do, uh, our behaviors and attitudes that are given to us by our culture can cause health problems by making us do things that are antithetical to health. So uh, as applied medical anthropologists, we have specific uh, um, diseases that we sometimes try to understand what could be causing this. And what are we doing to ourselves to make this happen? And that's what we try to discover. But since these are culture-caused diseases, which we call culturogenic disease, um, they're, they're so embedded in the culture and in the way people do things that people rarely think about them. They take for granted that these are normal behaviors. Uh, and the diseases that come from that tend to be widespread and considered normal diseases. Um, but actually, they're all a reflection of what the culture is doing. And if people would change those behaviors, they would heal from those diseases. And uh, that's what we try to give them uh, information to do. Yes, that sounds super fascinating. Um, I'm really excited to hear more about this. Uh, so can you tell us how you even got into the field of medical anthropology? Well, it's actually a very uh, strange story that's uh, about, it started when I was in medical school. Um, I had already had training in biochemistry and anthropology. And um, part of my training in biochemistry uh, involved the use of animals in research which I became um, disgusted by, and that actually helped uh, make me leave the field of biochemistry. But then um, when I was in medicine years later, I was again confronted with the need to deal with animal research and they were trying to, this is in the 90s, uh, the late 80s, 
uh, they were trying to force me to do these animal labs. And, and it, it opened my eyes up to like the problems of medicine. It's focus on animal research, which is not predictive of human responses. It's also extremely cruel. And uh, to me, it, I didn't want to have anything to do with a profession that was relying on that. It also seemed clear that there was no interest in the cause of disease, just in its, basically its treatment. Identifying a disease, finding what drug to use, and all of this is based on animal research. That's sort of what I discovered in medical school. So um, none of that seemed right to me. It, and we, you know, we're hearing all the time about how a lifestyle is so important to health. And yet so little is put into lifestyle and medicine. Uh, so uh, putting it all together, it seems clear that the best way to understand human disease, especially those that are caused by the way we do things, um, like smoking, eating wrong foods, I mean, those are obvious culturogenic problems. Uh, anything, drinking alcohol, as, as much as our culture does, I mean, all of these things contribute to disease. We take them for granted, we, we are invested in them. Um, but you can't study those in animals, you know, so you have to look at people and their culture. So it gets around the animal issue, the animal abuse issue that was always a problem for me. And it's a, it's a matter of trying to focus in on the human factors of human disease. And the way you do that is by looking with fresh eyes on the things we do to ourselves and then be willing to change those behaviors, which often means going counter to culture uh, and counter to industry pushing and industry resistance to admitting that they're causing health problems. And it's like there's a whole typical scenario that happens with culture-caused diseases. You usually have industries making money on the products that are harming us. And in the meantime, medicine is making money on treating those problems. So nobody's interested in looking at the cause. And when you have whistleblowers like myself who come out with, hey, wait a minute, you know, look what you're doing to yourself. It, it gets the reaction like the emperor has no clothes type reaction where everybody suddenly realizes, oh my God, it's obvious you're right, but nobody's willing to talk about it or say anything because there's now liability, product liability and lawsuits and, and all sorts of problems. Like why didn't my doctor tell me and why is this information been suppressed? And, and there's so many things that relate to this. So when you're dealing with culture caused disease, as I've discovered over the years of doing this, it's not just a simple matter of connecting like smoking and lung cancer. It's a matter of fighting the, the smoking industry, the tobacco industry, to get that information out. It's a matter of trying to recondition people to looking at their behaviors and realizing that there's a cause and effect and that they have to accept responsibility for themselves. And it's fighting in the medical industry that was ignoring that thing all these years. Like in the 1940s and 50s, doctors were promoting smoking. They were promoting cigarettes and they were selling smoking. And then when they came up with this link between smoking and cigarettes, there was a shock. I mean, the culture was a smoking culture. So how do the doctors admit that they were participating in this? They were ignoring this. They were doing research that didn't even ask about smoking. How could you have valid lung cancer research without smoking questions, questions about you know, how much you smoke? We now see that as normal, but when the culture was in, in so invested in smoking, that was a real shock. So when you're dealing with culture-caused diseases, you're dealing with politics and, and um, habits and rituals and fears and all sorts of human things that keep people doing what they're doing and uh, even wanting to go into denial when you show it to them. So it's a very fascinating field. And we actually uh, cut our teeth on the field with a phenomenal discovery of the link between breast cancer and the wearing of tight bras. And that's something that shocked the bra industry, 
the medical industry that's been ignoring bras all these years, um, and despite research showing their problems. And it shocked just the fashion industry, women's view of themselves, of their breasts, the breast obsession of our culture. All of it plays into what, you know, the issue of breasts, bras, and cancer. And we found, and when we, when we came out with our research on this, which we'll discuss in, you know, it's like 30 years ago, the culture was very different than it is now. And over the years, we've had an impact with our work, constant outreach over the last 30 years. And now there's more bra-free women than ever. Bra-free is a fashion statement and preference for many women now. Uh, the bra industry has changed their designs based on our research, which was showing how it's killing, how they're killing women. And the medical industry is starting reluctantly to look at bra usage and even ask questions about bra usage in breast cancer research, like they would ask about family history. So we've made lots of progress. But yet, if you who are listening to this have never heard about the link between breast cancer and bras, then um, um, it, it's then the censorship has been working. And secondly, there's so much misinformation that's been out there about this link to try to discourage interest in it and to the lies, the, everything you've seen in, in the, um, all the crises of misinformation that you're seeing with COVID and everything, these are going on all the time. And I've experienced them for 30 years, the suppression of information, the censorship of information and the control and messaging that affects people's lives. And, and you know, unfortunately, the authorities haven't had the, the public best interest in mind. It's been more of a self-saving face-saving, industry-saving response that's been going on. So thank you for yeah. sharing that. Um, there's so many things I wanted to bring up that you're talking about. So let's rewind a little bit. Um, so what uh, Sydney was saying is that um, he actually co-authored a book, Dress to Kill, that came out in the 90s. And it was all about his study for the link to uh, wearing bras and breast cancer. Um, he brought up another point about, um, you know, this is a, a cultural thing that he's finding and that sometimes when it comes to our health, it could be very politicized. Um, and as an example that you're using right now um, with COVID is very fascinating because um, at least in the United States, we're seeing that it's very politicized and misinformation is getting out there. So just touching on that to lead back to his book, um, he had this fascinating book, Dressed to Kill, um, with all his research and study, that's the link to bras, wearing bras and breast cancer. And that is actually the reason why uh, he's on the show today, why he invited us, because we use this book as a reference for the episode of Love Your Breasts. And so this was definitely a resource for you guys to take a look at. And so we're going to go a little bit deeper into the book and his findings with these studies. And so you have an under understanding of what that means, uh, wearing a, a bra and the link to breast cancer. So do you want to tell us about your studies that you did in the 90s? Well, we were, I should explain how we even got into breast cancer answer. Um, my wife and I were doing some field work in Fiji on a separate issue, and she, she was pregnant at the time. And she discovered a lump on her breast, which was very you know, shocking. And she's a very healthy woman. And there was no reason we should, she should have experienced that. And we freaked out. And about a week earlier than that, um, this girl was observing Soma, my wife, uh, hanging some bras on the line. Soma wore bras back then. And the girl was on a remote island. She never really saw bras before. So she was like curious. 
and she's stretching and looking at it and saying, you know, why, why do you wear it? And Soma really didn't have a good answer. You know, women in my culture just do. And she said, isn't it tight? Doesn't it get uncomfortable? And Soma said, well, yeah, I suppose it does, but you get used to it. And, you know, she put that strange conversation aside uh, until a week later when we discovered this lump. And we flew back to the United States in a panic. Uh, she went to take a shower. And as she, she took off her clothes, we were looking at her breasts for clues of what happened. What, what could have caused this? What could you have done to make this happen? And we, were, we saw, as she removed her bra, these typical indentations and red marks around her breasts left by the bra. I mean, the bra leaves these pressure marks in the skin. Well, those are pressure marks and it suddenly became significant. That girl's conversation of questions, isn't it tight? It, it rang and tightness is not good. Anything tight is constrictive, right? It causes impairment of circulation and the most easily impaired um, function to, uh, is the lymphatic system. The lymphatic system is your immune system's pathway uh, and it's, it, um, for the breasts, the lymphatics carry fluid, uh, which is filled with um, waste products and possibly bacteria, viruses, and even cancer cells. And it flushes these to the lymph nodes. Most of them are in the armpit and the lymph for the breasts. And the lymph nodes then elicit a, an immune response if necessary, uh, which you know by them swelling. And they're making white blood cells to fight whatever is going on in the breast. But the normal process of breast circulation includes uh, a healthy lymphatic drainage of the tissue um, fluid because your, your bloodstream delivers oxygen and nutrients under the pressure of the heart to the tissues. It oozes out of the capillaries and the cells are really bathed in a fluid, lymph fluid that uh, has both waste products and nutrients. And the waste products need to be eliminated and the nutrients need to be allowed in. And there's this constant flow and most of the, the flow of, the, uh, of this um, lymph that's oozed out of the capillaries as it flows through the tissues, it then goes into these lymphatic vessels that begin and originate in the tissues as these microscopic little tubes that then coalesce and become um, little larger tubes that enter the lymph nodes. And then ultimately this fluid re-enters the bloodstream. But that's the normal circulatory uh, pathways that happen in, in the breast is in all of our bodies there's the lymphatics as well as the blood and if you apply any pressure the lymphatics are a passive drainage system the blood has the heart uh, to keep pressure going but the lymphatics just passively drain your tissue spaces as you breathe and move and that's why massage helps with lymphatics a very gentle massage you can affect lymphatics with very gentle touch and that's the problem because when you wear tight clothing you're interfering with this natural design of circulation and you're compressing these tiny lymphatic vessels and causing a barrier to their flow. So the fluid sort of becomes congested and builds up in the breasts. And that is evident by pain and cysts, which most women have, and it's caused by bras. That's only normal in bra wearing cultures. When you go to bra free cultures, women have no breast problems and breast disease, breast cancer rates are about the same from women and men. When you start wearing bras, the longer and tighter the bra is worn, the higher your risk goes up. Because not only is this cutting off your, your immune system from fighting any new cancer developing cells and preventing 
waste products from, it's, it's like tying your immune system's hands. So your breasts become more toxic and can't defend themselves properly. But also all the petrochemical pollutants in our air, food, water, drugs, chemicals we take in, all of those go through the body, distributed by your bloodstream, and then have to be flushed out of the tissues by your lymphatics. So if your lymphatics are impaired because your breasts have these have a bra constricting them. And if you realize where the bra goes from the shoulders down around the breast from the armpit area and, and around, and you look at where the marks are, you'll see where the pressure is and how it's interfering. It comes right between the lymph nodes and the breast. So it's actually pushing on the breast and keeping the fluid in the breast, at least slowing it. It's not 100% here. We're talking about impairment to degree, depending on how tight and how long you're doing it. And these pollutants that you're exposed to, that many of which are carcinogens, that can, you know, cancer-causing chemicals, they course throughout your body and have to be flushed out. And if they can't be because of the bra, your breasts become progressively toxic. They, they get concentrated in the breast tissue. So you develop internal um, toxins from low oxygen, like free radicals that can cause cancer just from lack of circulation. And you have these external pollutants from our, our environment that can cause, uh, that further pollute the breast. And you have it being constricted so the immune system can't clean up any damage that's being caused. And you're ripe for breast disease. And then ultimately the, it can lead to cancer because your body can't deal with that. So the, the whole issue of, of of the brown breast cancer link is a very mechanical one, which we found was actually understood back in the 1930s. They understood then that lymph stasis or stagnant lymph flow is a factor in causing cancer. And they also understood that bras were causing cancer. In fact, we found um, in the new edition of Dress to Kill, we updated it for 2018. The original one was 1995. And then in 2018, by that time, there have now been dozens of studies around the world confirming the brown breast cancer link. New bras developed that say we're not as tight, we're more, notice that the whole bra thing now is comfort. When we started this, you couldn't find anything but a push-up underwired bra. When we first came out with Dress to Kill, Wonder Bra just came out. And the whole idea of cleavage was everything. Now, women are able to find bralettes, which are harmless, camisoles everywhere and you know like very very soft and not constrictive garments and those have all developed because of this movement because women want comfort now they don't mm -hmm. just want, they don't want cleavage they because cleavage isn't comfortable you can't change the shape of the breasts without applying pressure and the pressure is what cuts down on the circulation so you want the least amount of pressure evident by having no marks if you, if you take off, and this isn't just the breasts, this pertains to every part of your body, tight belts, uh, tight um, socks, tight stockings, pantyhose, whatever. Anything that's tight, that leaves a mark, is affecting circulation and causing tissue stagnation. And it's just a matter of degree and time until that really starts giving you problems. So I don't like shapewear or any of those types. They're all based on constriction. And our bodies are soft tissue. We're not like a crustacean where you have a shell on the outside. We're soft tissue and we need circulation. And if you don't circulate, you deteriorate. That's just a fact. So nothing tight ever. That, that is such a good, well, many good points I wanted to take home for people is that 
in general, I think people think about circulation with blood flow and bringing up the lymphatic system is not talked about, or at least not talked about enough. And I have experience because um, I used to do massage work and I used to do lymphatic massage. So I'm fully aware, but I didn't know about it or uh, really know the purpose and, and how much it can affect us. So what he's really driving home here, people, is that um, the lymphatic system, if that is cut off, it's a way to drain through and get rid of toxins. If that is impaired over a long period of time, complications are gonna happen. And so he is specifically talking about bras and breast cancer through his studies that he's done in the 90s and then rewrote the book, or I should say the second edition came out in 2018. But he's, he's focusing on the link, but knowing that how lymphatic systems apply. So that's for anybody wearing tight clothing. It's like things are going to happen. And when it comes to the breasts, breast cysts are a pure product of too tight a bra. When women get rid of them, the cysts go away. And we, we've done studies on this now. Um, what happens when women get rid of the bra? Won't, we'll talk about that later. But um, the when, when you uh, just stop, if you keep on uh, constricting the, the lymphatics, and you have basically lymphedema of the breast, mild chronic lymphedema, then what happens is uh, the, eventually the fluid collects in tissue spaces and you start developing cysts. And many women have fibrocystic breast disease. These cysts will eventually become fib fibrous tissue will develop in them and like scar tissue. And that stuff doesn't go away that easily, but the cysts go away right away when you stop the pressure on the breast. Get rid of the bra, the pressure goes away and the cysts go down. Otherwise women are going for needle aspirations where a doctor will stick a needle into the cyst, into the breast, mm -hmm. right into the cyst and suck out the fluid. And I've had women tell us over the years how they've had that done routinely for years. Wow. And as soon as they got rid of the bra, it went away, problem solved. And, you know, the problem is medicine doesn't really ask about the cause of these things. And another problem is that they'll tell you often, you'll see misinformation about the bra saying that if you have fibrocystic breast, wear a bra, a well-fitted bra, like to sleep 24-7, which is like the worst thing to do, but wear a bra to hold them sort of like a compression uh, bandage, keep pressure on so it's as if your breasts are going to explode with fluid that we have to hold them down with a bra that's that's wrong actually if you get rid of the bra and allow the fluid to leave over 90 percent of the women that do who've had breast problems breast cysts and breast pain will tell you it goes away within days of ending the constriction of the bra and their breasts lift and tone because they're no longer pendulous and heavy with fluid so they actually find when they stop wearing a bra, the breast, your breasts will lift, which is ironically, one of the reasons women wear bras is right. to prevent <laughs> Right, so it's counterintuitive for sure, but it's not. <laughs> the, breasts act, the bra does it in two ways. Uh, it causes droop in two ways. The first way is like I'm saying, the, um, the fluid in the breasts make them heavy and bigger. So the, uh, they droop more. The, so when you get rid of the bra, that, that fluid can drain and there's a little lifting of the breasts. The second thing is your natural suspensory ligaments in your breasts need exercise. And if you're supporting them artificially with a bra, which most women have been doing since puberty, then the ligaments don't get to develop properly and they atrophy and weaken. So that when you take your bra off, you think, oh my God, 
look at my breasts without a bra. I need to keep the bra on, you know? So it's, but that's what's caused it. And when you get rid of the bra, the ligaments start getting exercise again and they lift in tone. And we've been told, especially by premenopausal women. I mean, if you've been wearing a bra for 30 years, don't expect miracles like that overnight. But if you haven't been wearing one for 30 years, there's a chance that it, your breasts, and this is what we've gotten from most of our, um, of our, we're doing a study and one of the, we're getting results that women are experiencing. And, lifting of and toning of the breasts is very, very common. So um, that's another thing about the bra. So there's absolutely no reason for wearing one. There's like, you don't need it if you're big breasted. Like a lot of women will say that, you know, oh, I, I, you're a little breasted, you get away with being bra free, but I'm big, I need a bra. No. In fact, when you take big breasts and you put them in a bra, did you ever look at the shoulders on those women and the grooves they have? Yes. Yeah, for me, I see that all the time with the work that I do. Yeah. And, did you, you know, there have been studies for decades now that show that the compression on the shoulders causes paresthesias in the hands. It causes numbness and tingling in the fingers because of the pressure on the nerves going down the arm. And think of, and those permanent grooves. I mean, you've seen these women, they take their bra off, they got a groove in their shoulders where that strap was. Think of the amount of pressure, the chronic pressure every day of the weight of those breasts on those shoulders to cause the permanent disfigurement of those shoulders enough to create headaches, tension, nerve injury. I mean, these are common, it's been known. I mean, so this, this is not, but that's what happens when you have large breasts and you put them in the bra. You, you gotta let your breasts reach their natural point of, of balance and don't do activities that are bouncing around all over the place. If, if your body isn't, if it's not appropriate for your body, I think people have to choose activities that are body appropriate as well. But well, let me let me ask you something right there because I'm sure a lot of listeners right now, um, if they're like raising their hand, if they have large breasts, one, um, they want to be comfortable, and, and so you're saying that the bra, um, for sure, I'm sure they have pain. I, I've seen it with clients, um, the grooves that you're talking about. But I know a lot of women uh, don't want you know, them moving around so much. And what if they love to be active? So what do you say for people? Is this when you're saying, let's say, for example, someone with large breasts wants to try to go bra free, but they love to run. Are you mm -hmm. saying that they would temporarily stop running? Or is this something that they could never do again? Or is it like their breasts will adapt if, to that? If, if while you're running, you're wearing a sports bra, like a man might choose to wear a jock strap thinking you want support. There's nothing wrong with that during the, while you're exercising for an hour or two, okay. but that's it. And then, but realize the breasts need to move to pump the lymph. Mm -hmm. I mean, lymph, the, these valves, the, the lymphatic vessels have one-way valves, which keep it moving forward towards the lymph nodes. That's how this passive system moves things. Every time you have body movement, it, it squishes the fluid from one segment to the next, and it can't go backwards because of a one-way valve. And there are several of these valves all along the pathway. Now, if, if, um, if your breasts are allowed to move, then it helps pump this lymphatic pump. But if you immobilize your breasts, like in a tight sports bra, your breasts aren't getting the benefit of exercise because one of the benefits of exercise is like over 20 fold increased lymphatic flow. You're breathing deeply, actually creating negative chest pressure from deep breathing is a major pump for the lymphatics. So when you're walking, exercising, jogging or whatever, um, you are increasing your circulation. If you're doing it with a tight bra on, the bra is not gonna allow the breast to fully benefit from it. But that said, if that's important for you, you can do that for a couple of hours, just 
you know, massage your breasts a little bit afterwards because they, they were tight. And if you're a bra-free woman, you will never need this. There were female athletes who were involved in a study who found that exercising without a bra was more comfortable than with a bra once they got used to it. And in fact, my wife, who is large-breasted, when she got rid of her bra, um, her lump her, her lump went away. And she used to feel like she needed to run with her arms across her chest so her breasts don't move too much because her ligaments were weak. But as time went by, after a couple of months, she was able to, to do rebounding without holding her breasts and allowing them to move and bounce, rebounding. I mean, imagine how your breasts are going up and down. That's pumping lymph through your breasts. So if you want to wear a bra occasionally for some support, realize that that's probably a function of already having used the bra, so you're sort of dependent. But if you wean yourself from them, you'll find they aren't necessary. You weren't created by biology and evolution to need 20th century lingerie to support your breasts to move around. There are large-breasted women, have been large-breasted women forever. And I'll tell you an interesting story. In Fiji, we went back to Fiji to do a study, actually. Our first study on this was in the United States. And that's what we talk about in Dress to Kill. We interviewed nearly 5,000 women in five major cities. About half of them had breast cancer. And we wanted to know what their bra wearing habits were. We figured, okay, if this is what's happening with bras, then women who wear bra, uh, who have breast cancer, should be using bras a little differently than women who don't yet have breast cancer. I mean, there should be a link. If there's a link, then they're using their bras differently. And we found that was happening. They were wearing them tighter and longer and very few, like none were bra-free. There were a lot more bra-free women who don't have cancer. The propaganda that the bra industry has been saying is that bras prevent droop and they're good for your breasts. So women think, oh, I'm doing a good thing by wearing them. I'm going to sleep in it. I'm going to keep my breasts perky. But no, it, it putting an artificial harness on, if I could put your arm in a sling, it'll get weak after a while, just like your breasts will. And, and the, it's getting swollen because of the constriction. So the whole thing is, is bad, but women have been misinformed by a bra industry and it hasn't been corrected by a negligent medical industry that's self-interested for many reasons. And you know, breast cancer is such a huge industry. Um, so what happened was, after we came out with information on this, we were completely ignored. Um, and after our first study, that's why we got Dressed to Kill published uh, by, by a publisher back then, Avery Publishing Group. And um, the world was sort of in shock by this. Although a lot of women started getting rid of their bras and their breast cysts went away. And that's how we found out about that. We didn't suspect that at first, but it was just anecdotally. And uh, over the years, there were finally studies that have been done to confirm it, but the original response was, was uh, such discomfort at saying breast uh, massage even. Mm -hmm. uh, back, in the, I mean, back then, in, yeah. In some places, you still can't do breast massage. In some states, it's still illegal. So you're dealing with taboos. You can't even see a picture of a breast, uh, a nipple without it being covered. I mean, you can't see a female nipple. You can see a male nipple. But you can't yeah, see in the people. United States, for sure. Yes. Yeah. So you're dealing with a, a very weird culture that has breast obsession, has um, considers the, the bra, basically it's a fetish garment that makes an issue out of breast shape. I mean, there's no reason for it. 
right? I mean, it's, it's, it's makes an issue out of something that didn't need to have an issue made out of it. And it causes a lot of problems in the way. So fortunately, women can test this for themselves by just stop wearing your bra, give it a month. Menstrual pain, and I'll tell you the results that we've had. And, um, and then I, I hope you'll tell me what, what happened with yours. So we're doing an international bra-free study that's free, that basically consists of, it's, it's what we call a self-study. We do that with our medical anthropology. Since we're talking about lifestyles, the only real expert on your lifestyles and how it affects your health is you. So we want you to just try a few things. I mean, we don't want you to, let me rephrase that. We provide you with information so you could make some informed choices and try some lifestyle changes and see if removing something from your life allows you to get better. So with the bra, we have women have from over 36 countries are involved now. And what they do is they just stop wearing the bra and promise not to wear it. And then we ask them a few questions, not very invasive at all, just mostly lifestyle questions and have them tell us what they are experiencing. And this is what we found. First of all, every woman who stopped wearing a bra says, I can breathe easier without a band around the chest. And then we, there's actually was research done that showed just wearing a bra affects your autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And it actually causes a change in core body temperature. It slows digestion. It um, creates reduced melatonin secretion. It, um, it causes even menstrual irregularities. It, and the way I understand it, if you were to have something, your body knows that it's uncomfortable. It's got a, something tight on it. Elastic is evil. Okay. It has something because it holds on by constriction. It's, it's tight. And I think your body has an inherent sense of stress from that. And that stress, even if you're ignoring it, your body knows it on a subconscious level. So it suffers. You're like stressed out. That's why at the end of the day, women who still wear bras, first thing they do when they get home is take them off. And they say, oh God, does this feel good to take this thing off? Well, that means this must've been feeling bad all the day that you're uncomfortable in that bra. And what is that doing to you subconsciously? I mean, it's like having a splinter in your, in your finger that you're trying to ignore or something else that that's, your body is screaming on some level saying, I'm really uncomfortable in this, but your mind, we've been trained to control ourselves. And that's where culture comes in. It controls the biological. So your biological urge might be to rip this thing off and burn it. But the culture is saying, oh, no, you're not an acceptable woman if your breasts aren't positioned in the way a bra does it. And that message has been what's killing women. And they're buying into it. With, oh, another thing, their self-esteem improves. Women say when they stop wearing bras, they like their breasts better. They like themselves better. It's like the bra was in some way a self-shaming thing, an admission that my breasts aren't good the way they are. I need a bra to make them acceptable, to make me acceptable in public. I can't go out without that. So it's an insecurity. And every time you wear it, it's, it's fueling that insecurity and you know, beating yourself up just a little bit. It's like a bald guy like me going out and thinking I need a toupee. You know, every time I'd reach for that toupee, I would be telling myself I'm not good enough with a bald head. So it's the same with the bra and women are trained to feel they're not good enough. And the training, speaking of the word training, training bras are to train young women to put up with the discomfort of the bra and to accept a culture where her breasts are now suddenly an issue. Yet the boy, you know, isn't an issue. 
So, you know, there's a free the nipple movement now that's addressing that inequality of that. And by the way, women can, are, cannot be forced to wear bras at work. That was one of the excuses a lot of women would give over the years. I, in fact, even spoke with a woman who was at the National Lymphedema Network. She started it. Um, and she told me um, that, I think she's retired. This is years ago. She totally agreed about bras and breast cancer. And she had breast cysts that went away over the weekend when she got rid of her bra. She told me that. But she put her bra back on on Monday because she couldn't imagine being seeing patients and looking unprofessional without a bra. And I said to her, how can you be a lymphatics expert knowing bras cause a problem and think that you're at all professional wearing a bra? I mean, to me, that's, that's not just hypocrisy. That's like it's modeling bad behavior and it's, it's doing something that you know is damaging to yourself. I mean, there's no ignorance here. There's willing submission to a cultural norm at the expense of one's health from an expert in the field. That's how powerful culture caused diseases are. So, um, but over the years, the taboos have softened. Women now tattoo their breasts, they pierce their nipples. They, you know, breast implants are everywhere. I mean, there's so much breast I think the breasts have become, um, are less sensitive to talk about and women are more accepting to even deal with them and they want comfort now. And the, um, the issue of bras and breast cancer has, has uh, seeped through to the, a lot of the health coaches that work with celebrities. That's why a lot of celebrities are bra free. Um, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow um, is a bra free celebrity who actually um, has been encouraging bra free or at least safer bras. I think she might be selling, but she didn't, she had an article in goop written by, which is her magazine written by, um, a Dr. Sedegi, who's her personal doctor about bras and breast cancer and, you know, warning people and asking questions about it. And, um, he, so the celebrities know what's going on and, it's filtering through. And I think women want equality now. And you can't at work, they used to say, I can't go to work without my bra, even if I'm uncomfortable, but they can't force you to do that. That's sexual harassment. So right now, because of our more aware culture, um, it's understood that forcing a woman to wear high heels and a short dress and a bra and cosmetics is sexist and is not allowable as a requirement, unless the men have to do it too. And it can't be that you tell a woman, I'm sorry, you know, your eye candy, you have to look a certain way. So that's no longer accepted. And a woman can stand up to it. And they are. Kids in high school are saying no to bras because there's these stupid dress codes. I mean, back in the 60s, you couldn't, if you were a girl, you couldn't wear pants. You had to mm -hmm. wear a skirt. So now you have to wear a bra or do you? What if it's, if I'm uncomfortable? What if I don't want to? And girls are saying no. And uh, and it's an ongoing cultural evolution that's happening right now. And COVID has made it even better because if there's anything good about COVID is that it's allowed women to be bra-free at home and work at home, but they don't have to worry about their work appearance. And so many women, there've been articles all over the internet about braless during the pandemic and working braless at home. Will the bra ever return? I mean, this is coming from mainstream stuff. So I yeah. feel so happy that the bra is finally being questioned. Women are, are I, but the cancer link is still taboo. Mm -hmm. Well, they, mm -hmm. the medical industry is very powerful and they like to, con, you know, they don't want to admit that they've been 
uh, wrong on this issue and actually have been suppressing it and censoring it for years. Uh, they actually paid for a study to disprove this. That was a, a fraudulent, bad study at Fred Hutchison that didn't even include bra-free women. I mean, it was comparing, looking if bras cause breast cancer, and it doesn't even include women who don't wear bras. And all the women were postmenopausal, so there's like a survivor bias. The whole thing was bad, but it was it was used, and they even admitted it to try to uh, get women not to to. Uh, even think about the brown breast cancer link. It's all propaganda. So the medical industry is, is uh, they're not above lying as we've seen with COVID. There's a lot of misinformation that goes around in medicine all the time. And I've been um, struggling against that for years. It, it's made me a real cynic because I've seen how, how simple it is to simply just let women know. Oh yeah, it's the passionate health advocate dance break. Now get up and shake your thing. Everything you brought up is people listening like, oh my gosh, that's so much information. And I think the challenges for a lot of people is that even if they try, they get misinformation. And I, what I like is that if you, you know, are questioning what he's talking about and, and not sure, he's offering people to do a self-study. So you can actually start to take that information that he's providing and apply it to your own life. And I think that's very important for all this information that you tend to get is like, how can it apply to yourself? So I wanted to pause there to bring that up because this is so much information and it could be completely new for so many people. Um, and we all know that if there's answers, sometimes it, the truth doesn't get out, but it eventually it will. So you can start with yourself if this is an interest and going into, so you've been, you have a website now, you have a whole thing. You said there's like 36 countries where people are doing a self-study. Absolutely. And, and I, I think, you know, you don't even have to join the self-study. You can, you know, we have a website, I'll tell you, but uh, at brafreestudy.org, brafreestudy.org, um, you can do it with us or you could do it by yourself. We just are documenting it so that we could share with more women. And we're creating a group of women that are bra frees for any further research in the future. If anybody wants to study a group of bra free women and see how healthy they are, they'll have a group because um, in that study I mentioned where they tried to disprove it, the, the reason they said they didn't include any bra-free women was that they couldn't find any, which, which is nonsense. And, and you can't do a study without a control group. So it was, it was nonsense. So we're making sure that there's this cohort of women who are bra-free, and we believe they're going to have the healthiest breasts in the world because of that. And they are just, you know, so you can join and basically be registered with us and share your experiences with us, but do it yourself. I mean, you really can't trust any information. Medical information is a commodity and it's, it makes money for somebody, whether it's the doctor or the drug company behind the doctor or some other interest, they make money when you're sick, not when you're well. So they have no investment in giving you real preventive information. That's what the intrinsic conflict of interest is with, with the medical field. All healthcare practitioners, there are some really nice ones, ethical people who like to educate and tell their patients what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's good. 
But otherwise, the field is set up as a very, as a business where you're desperate so they could charge you as much as they possibly can. And they uh, are not looking to inform you and educate you. They're treating disease. And they're not, they're not in the business of changing the culture either. Doctors can't get rid of smoking, drinking. Many of them smoke and drink, but they can't get rid of it anyway. They're not trying to change the culture. They're patching you up so you can go out and continue doing whatever the culture tells you to do. I mean, that's sort of like a, a, the, the military model where medicine sort of comes from. That's why the top doctor in this country is the Surgeon General. It's a military position <laughs> because in the military is when they needed a lot of doctors and surgeons. And, you know, so um, I told you this, this could be three hour show. Okay, <laughs> about this. This leads in so many ways because it, it's you know, endless. It's endless, and then we get where you're coming from. And I and I, I love that you brought up Surgeon General because, yeah, I mean, I think we're at least like we're talking about the United States here. This is where we're both residing and understanding. A lot of listeners are from the United States and and what our medical industry is. And so again, the show is giving you opportunity to explore your own world and your own health and things that you could do on your own to help you. Um, so with that in mind, um, Sydney invited me to do a self-study and I did. So I did one month, uh, going bra free and, um, so full disclosure, um, so I am not a large breasted woman, um, but, uh, I do have, uh, a lot of cultural beliefs that I, that really played on this. Um, I did it for one month today marks the, the last day of the month. And um, I won't lie, it was a bit easier because I'm COVID bound, especially where I live in San Francisco Bay Area, we've been uh, shelter in place enforced again because there was a research. So that being said, I haven't had to go out in public very often. Um, I'm at home all the time. So it was very easy for me to go bra free. That being said, um, the times that I did go out in the public, uh, I could feel me being self-conscious for sure. And I know it's like how I grew up and I know this culture and I've lived in other cultures where um, they don't view breasts the way they do in the United States. And so my concern is probably valid for maybe other women in this country that have tried it is um, how other people view me with it. Also, I work in healthcare. And so when you told the story about, was it the nurse? Um, specialize in lymphatics. Yes. Um, I totally get where she was coming from because even, you know, as a body worker, I work very intimately with people. I don't care what's going on with people's bodies, how they look. I'm there. I'm focused on the health. So I, you know, I'm very open to what is presented to me. That being said, um, if I have something protruding in a garment, uh, that is the last place I want to go when I'm working with someone because I don't want um, the idea of sex or sexuality in play in a therapeutic session. That's just my mindset. And that's something that I am trying to overcome because I had to uh, confront that. And it's, it's so embedded in me. And it's, again, my concern of how the opposite sex views it. And it's, I don't want them to focus on that, especially because um, coming from a body worker and massage therapist, and there's such a huge taboo to the sex industry, and we're constantly getting lumped with them. Um, this is something that's that's been really challenging for me. Uh, so that well, is that. How yeah. did your patients, uh, your your clients, how did they deal with you being bra free? How did you manage it? 
Oh, I mean, I, to be honest, I turned the heat up pretty high in the room. And because um, I just didn't want any, I, I remember because I was very nervous, um, but I turned the heat up. And of course, I tried not, you know, I don't talk about it. I just went about my work and focused on them. And, you know, I don't know if they noticed a single thing. I was very self-conscious. I was very self-conscious. And I know also that over time that could probably change, but I, I have done that a few times. Um, I do notice too. And I think this is like, if people are interested in trying this study, what I do, especially as a body worker, I'm so hyper focused on the body and I notice that my posture changed, but again, that comes with my insecurities. So I did not find myself standing tall and proud um, because I was insecure. But again, I think it's like, if I get more accustomed to this, um, they, I think this is just part of the, the change. And um, I'm, like I said, I'm someone that has lived in other cultures. And so I know what it's like to test um, different ways of being and functioning. Well, course. besides the, your personal reaction um, and your insecurities, which, mm -hmm. I, and I want to thank you for doing that and having the, the uh, integrity and courage to try the self-study um, and share it with your audience today. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah. And I'm wondering, besides that discomfort, what uh, psychologically, mm -hmm. what physical effects did you feel once you stopped wearing the bra? Well, I mean, yeah, it feels very freeing. Um, my big concern too, before I did the study is that I'm someone that's really active. So uh, what, what, after reading this book, I also read the book and it really made me view because I was never someone that had issues with the actual, you know, like everyday bra pulling into my shoulder because I, I, I'm not large breasted. Um, and I don't remember really having any marks, but what I did realize is that the sports bras were so intense on me. And because of the work that I would do, I would wear them for like all day long, which, you know, as you were saying earlier, it's like, okay, if I really feel the need, then it's just for my workout and that's it. Um, I have gone on several runs uh, during this study and I did a brawlet. So I'm like, oh, that's totally fine. So I will say this study has made me realize, okay, what is restricting on me? And it's not usually the, the typical like beautiful bra that, that I may have because um, I, I felt like that fit me pretty well. Um, but the sports bras were really shocking. I was like, oh my gosh. And again, after someone myself have, has provided lymphatic massage, I also do a lot of breath work and it's like, you know, the diaphragm, all of that, it's, it's kind of laughable of how, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for where I'm coming from, but I had to step out of the cultural norm to look at it. So you so were able to breathe, you could breathe easier without the bra on as well. Oh, oh. yeah. I mean, I, I feel the restriction, like I said, with the sports bras is where I really had the issue. Could and you that, think of any digestive changes you might have experienced? to say because also during the study it was during the holidays and oh, I don't have a normal um I feel like my actual schedule is all over the place so that's the only thing it's it's hard for me to say because my life has also been in flux sure, I but what I what I can say is that yes I definitely breathe easier um did I you, can did you feel any difference menstrually like many women have tender breasts before their period and when they stop wearing the bra they say that goes away did you experience that as well any change in tenderness 
I would say, I, I feel like um, if I remember correctly, because I didn't write it down, um, that it was lessened. And it's it's funny because I, I do notice, and it's talked about in the book, that um, I definitely fluctuate with uh, menstruating and that my breasts can become a lot larger. And so it made me think, oh my gosh, because I do know that it is a time when um, my regular bra would feel tight on me. So uh, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, I want to continue trying this to see how it affects, um, when I menstruate now that that's another focus. Um, but in general, at least from the, the world I come from, um, in my profession, it's like, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's just, uh, applying practical ways. For example, the body work that I do, that I've been providing structural integration, um, people are moving around and they're usually wearing a sports bra. Um, and shorts, uh, so we can get them on and off the table and see how the soft tissue applied to the structure, which I'm like, oh, okay, how do we go about that? You know, have them wear a tank top. It's just, it's in this industry. And I think what's challenging, and I will speak for all male body workers, uh, there's, a, there's a thing for protection, again, getting lumped in with the sex industry and that the work that we do is medical, but there's a fine line in our culture of distinguishing that. So a lot of the sports bra has been there for a protection professionally for people. Mm -hmm. I know these are the cultural issues we have to get past and I'm glad mm -hmm. we're having this discussion. And you know, um, if, if you can come up with good alternatives to sports bras, I'm glad you raised sports bras because some women think, oh, they're safer and I'll wear them all day. No, they're not. They're very tight. And they're very tight. Yeah. I mean, like I haven't worn one in over a month now and uh, I don't, I don't know if I want to, I think I'm like, oh, I'm going to stick with the bralettes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I, um, so you're going to continue being bra free then and, and carry it on and see what's where it takes you. Yeah, I'm going to continue exploring it. Uh, I know me personally, when I have more social events, I may try to put one on because I, I don't feel confident, but I, I want to experiment and see maybe I'll go one day and try it. So I think that's my next step is to see um, in social or professional events when I'm not doing treatments. Um, how do I feel and can I feel like get away with it? I know you sent me a link to clothing wear that's designed for women to, to go bra free. It's for um, yeah. I just discovered it that day. I have no connection. Oh, okay. It was, okay. It was just, it just so happens that it was a, um, they were trying to deal with the nipples. Uh, Cause yes. one of the things women complain about the most, I would say, is they're worried about their nipples protruding. I mean, we have a nipple. That is my, I will say in all mm -hmm. disclosure, that is my number one thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it, you know, it really is a ridiculous thing it, from an objective point of view, although I'm not criticizing you for having that, but there really is nothing wrong with nipples protruding through a blouse. However, um, these blouses were like puffed in the front. Yeah. So you really can't tell where the nipple is. And there are ways of dressing to hide it. You can have- Exactly, exactly. Blouses with pockets over the breasts. You can wear a blazer, you can wear a vest. Um, loose clothing, just loose, you know, but the nipple phobia is interesting. I mean, if I asked you really where it comes from, I'm sure it's just one of those indoctrinated values that the culture gives you. And you don't, I mean, really objectively, what's wrong with a nipple? I mean, men get cold nipples too. 
I mean, what's wrong with that? It, it doesn't have to well, be. Well, I'll tell you where I'm coming from because I agree. I mean, like I said, I, I lived in Europe and I mean, you know, you can go uh, topless on the beach and I did that. And, and I remember thinking at that time, wow, I wish we could do this in the States. I wish this was accepting. And I think, you know, from a woman's point of view, some people don't want extra attention drawn to them. And I'm one of those people. And so it's not so much about, okay, I'm gonna make a statement. I don't want to be viewed that certain way out in public or professionally. And unfortunately, the way that our culture is, the American culture is around breasts, that's unwanted attention I don't want. And I have a feeling I'm not the only one that thinks that way. I know you aren't. And I, I wish I had the answer, magic bullet for women to lose their insecurities about that. Yeah. But it's hard. And I mean, from Barbies onward, there's conditioning and mm -hmm. every image you see is brain conditioning. But right. until we get past that, right? How we got we got there are alternatives to the constriction though. So the, you have to, you know, come up with I wish some women would design, and there are more and more now like some yoga wear that's loose and yeah. meant that, you know, they'll even mention it's non-constrictive and it's good for your lymphatics. I mean, there's more and more products that are like that, but um, I, I guess, I guess there's always going to be men who will react. There's always going to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the question is, do they have to have an effect on you? And in the culture now, as opposed to even 30 years ago, right. They can't get away with crap like that anymore. I mean, men can't, you know, there's the Me Too movement and women have now been empowered with the ability to be comfortable. And if being comfortable creates a, a discomfort for a man, he has to learn how to control his discomfort and his social encounters. It shouldn't be the woman's responsibility to cover up, to not entice the man. It's like the argument about rape. Oh, she right, was asking right. for it by the way she was dressed. No, no, she could dress however she wants. You got to learn to control your impulses. So I think we have to evolve as a culture, clearly. I mean, the, right. and there are some women who are very comfortable being exhibitionists. There are some women uh, all the way to wanting to hide themselves and everywhere in between. Right. And, you know, we, we have to, they all should know, though, at least know that if they're wearing a bra, it may be having negative effects on their breast health. And if they think they, you know, if they think about it and they choose to wear it less, choose to wear a size that doesn't leave marks in their skin, um, certainly under 12 hours a day, try to, you know, just really minimize that. I think there'll be a process, you know, and you notice when, when you, with your discomfort, nobody really cared did they it was all in your head yeah and i fully was aware of that and i yeah and like i said um i think the more i come accustomed to it and as i experiment um yeah it'll it's just it's like another way of being um so yeah i think i think that's a general term for our life it's mostly in our head oh then, yeah um sure yeah and that's what we've experienced with everything i mean nobody most people are so focused on themselves they don't even notice you exactly and, and I would say, <laughs> when you said that clients come to you wanting uh I mean, you you view clients purely through uh as as needing help you're not judgmental on how they look my guess is many of them are coming if not all of them are coming to you wanting help and not caring about what you look like i mean they're they're wanting the therapy and you know 
maybe you want to have a conversation with them and just say, um, I've stopped wearing a bra. I'm a little uncomfortable about it. I don't know if you want to bring attention to it. That's probably a dumb idea. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. I think, I think I'm going to start with not bringing attention to it because right now it's not been an issue. I don't know if I want to make that a topic in someone's uh, treatment, but we'll see. Maybe down the road. But right now I'll probably refrain. If someone's staring at you, you can say you're making me uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. But yeah. My guess is that doesn't really happen. <laughs> and, and today, if someone's staring at you that like that, they would be in the wrong. Yeah. The, the values are shifting. So men cannot um, put this sexual trip on women anymore and get away with it. And, you know, if, if you're standing tall and proud of who you are and not caring that your breasts might be uneven or that one's bigger than the other, uh, which, by the way, is, uh, explains with bras, it explains why there's asymmetric breast cancer, like one breast and not the other, because mm -hmm. one, bra, one, one breast is bigger than the other and the bra is tighter on that one. So it's going to be in the tighter breast. And so that there's, so there's so many reasons not to want to constrict yourself. And we just have to be, we're in that in-between time of getting rid of that and getting rid of the fear and the self-doubts that have been driving this, because it, it, it's a self-esteem problem. It's a body image disorder mm -hmm, to, be, sure. to yeah. be afraid of who you are and, and feel ashamed of the way you look. And I, I think that's the biggest problem women are facing. And they get that message constantly. It's always about your looks. It drives me crazy whenever you're looking at the news. If they talk about a female um, major person, it doesn't matter what they're saying. It only matters what they're wearing. Like every time they talk about Melania yes. Trump, it's only what she's wearing. It's never what she's saying. Yes, you don't it, need to tell another woman that. We know I know. That. <laughs> it it yeah. just drives me crazy as a man. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> it's so unfair. And, and, I, and I know it's easy for me to say, you know, stand up and, and be proud you're a woman. And, and if anybody gives you a hard time, that's their problem. And, you know, that way we all evolve. It's easy for me to say that and it's harder for women to do it. But it is a matter of life and death. And besides breast cancer, which kills you know a whole bunch of women every year, there's, I would say at least, oh my God, over 50 to 60% of women have fibrocystic breast disease. The bra industry admits from their stuff that over 90% are wearing the wrong size. And even if they're fitted. I mean, if elite, and I don't know how you can wear the right size push-up bra. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a contradiction in terms. So the right size means it shouldn't be too tight. Now for people listening, if they are curious, can you give three tips or, you know, tips that they can do to start, whether it's wearing bras less. So what, can you just like go down the list of what people can do today if this is something they want to explore and are curious of? Okay. The first thing to do is get rid of your bra and just wear Looser garments, you can wear t-shirts, camisoles, bralettes, nothing that leaves any marks or is in any way constrictive, can't change the shape of your breasts. And just, um, that's number one. And then you'll feel, that's all you have to do is pretty simple. Number two is allow yourself to do it and realize it's going to be going against cultural conditioning. So it's gonna take support and there's, there's support groups. Uh, I have a Facebook group that I'm one of the moderators for. It's called, it's called Free the Boobies. And there women talk about their experiences. There are a lot of YouTube videos on that now. I mean, women freeing the nipple and freeing, um, do a Google search on braless uh, or bra free. And I like bra free to bra less because bra less implies that the bra is the norm and getting rid of it, you're 
you're missing a bra. Mm. And bra free means you're free of this device that you didn't need in the first place. But if you do Google searches, you'll see how common it is and it'll give you encouragement. Um, and loving yourself is really the most important thing here. And all of these industries are relying on you not loving yourself. The, the cosmetic and um, fashion industries, they have to make you uncomfortable with who you are so that you buy their products. And if you, if you have confidence and you just believe I'm, I'm, a, I'm a beautiful woman and I'm going to take care of my health, then um, that's all you really need. But it's not going to get support from, from the industries out there. They're not out there for you. They're out there to, to, to get your money and convince you you need their products. So you got to think for yourself. And that's why I love the self-study concept. There's, not, there's other things we do as well, other studies that we've put together for lifestyle issues. But it's so beautiful to be able to take control. And if you want to know, is my bra causing my breast any harm? You'll know in 30 days and not wearing one anymore. It's a real no-brainer and it'll be obvious to you. And, and then you'll see how you're the one whipping yourself into conformity. That's, that's what the, the cultural conditioning has done to women. And when you feel that and see that and release yourself from that, you'll feel a tremendous burden off your chest, uh, pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> and and yeah. it, will, it will feel really liberating. In fact, when you're, when you're wearing something that's constricting your breathing even, and it's like you're uptight, literally, mm -hmm. you got to get rid of it. And this conditioning, you were brainwashed and you have to just see that as an evil effect and eliminate it. And that's why these, some of these women are saying my self-esteem improved. I feel better about myself because they didn't feel ashamed anymore that mm -hmm. they needed this garment to be acceptable as a woman, to be even considered professional. Why would changing the shape of your breasts be an issue of professionalism unless you're a hooker? where it's an important thing to try to fetishize your breasts. But otherwise, it's a pure fetish garment. Why would that even be professional? It's, it's, it's called advertising, and the bra industry was really good at that. But you know, back in, until there were a lot of years women were without bras, were respectable, professional women. And even now, you know, Melania Trump doesn't wear a bra off uh, as well. I've seen internet pictures of her bra free. I've seen celebrities, all sorts of celebrities bra free. Um, so leading people in this country are showing the way. And, and I think it's going to be easier for you uh, to try this experiment now than 30 years ago. Much easier. Yes, I would, I would have to agree with that. And I also uh, take advantage of shelter in place, you know, if you want to take baby steps. Yeah. I, would, I would also say, um, you know, this could be shocking and maybe people have to sit down and, and think about it, you know, for a while to think if this is something you want to try. But if someone is say, okay, you know, I'm curious, I don't know if I can go 100% without a bra for a month. What would you say about tips for either purchasing a bra or, or how to wear them if they're going to continue with the bra, maybe just lessen? Do you have tips about that? Well, you should definitely get um, like a professional fitting from somebody who knows what they're doing to make sure it's not tight. I mean, professional fitters will, will say, they'll admit that poorly fitted bras are really, really bad for you. I mean, mm -hmm. if it's not the right size cup, for example, it's digging right into your breast and, and right into the tissue. And then women will find, you know, cysts or, or tumors right along where the underwire was. So you want to avoid, underwires are particularly compressive. So they'll form an even greater 
constriction. You don't want any constriction. So if you want to buy a bra, just buy just to cover your breasts more as like um, a shield or mm -hmm. some sort of, you know, to make you feel more comfortable. You can do that without it being constrictive. And you'll, you don't want to overheat your breasts. So you want to wear like natural fibers, cotton. You want to stay away from synthetics. You also want to realize that when you, the bra itself has some chemicals that deteriorate and could cause cancer themselves. The elastic deteriorates into units that are chemical units that are actually carcinogens. So the bra being intimately like on your breasts with sweat and everything, I mean, your, your breasts are soaking in whatever chemicals are in that fabric. Um, it could be formaldehyde that they use to store fabrics. It could be all sorts of things in the fabric. So you wanna try to get an organic cotton, some bras sell on that point that they're they're toxic free but they have to also be the right size and you probably want a bra during your period a different size bigger than the rest of the month otherwise that's why women's breasts hurt more because they're more constrictive because your breasts are bigger before your period you're wearing the same bra so you want to have different sizes for and but realize how hard it is to fit the breasts which move are soft and uneven shape into a garment that you're buying that has two equal cups. So it's not even, it's not even representing your own breasts. It's not like you're a rich person that's going to get a tailored customized bra like the queen of England might. You know, you're getting an off the rack bra where both cup sizes are the same and the sizing is not even consistent from brands. So there's no way to know what you really should wear of a particular brand until you try it. And, you know, so I would say then it's probably just easier not to do this in the first place and get rid of the bra. But if you want to go through all that, those are the conditions you need to really think about. You know, it yeah. shouldn't be tight. It shouldn't be toxic. It shouldn't be hot. It shouldn't immobilize them. It, it shouldn't change the shape of the breasts because that applies. You have to apply pressure for that. It shouldn't create cleavage it, and, you know, and wear it as little as possible. When you're home alone, you don't need it and mm -hmm. never sleep in a bra. There's no good excuse for sleeping in a bra. Um, and also, as long as we're talking about sleep, I'll give you a, a, a non-bra breast health tip. Don't sleep on your breasts. Um, if you can, sleep on your back. But if you're a side sleeper, and if you sleep on your back, you want to elevate the head of your bed. That's other research we've done. Uh, like an adjustable bed, you want to have your head up when you sleep. But anyway, if you're a, if you're a belly sleeper or a side sleeper, you may lean on the breast which all day long you've been constricting with a bra and then you sleep on your right side, your arm is there. And it's like, again, constricting, pressing, compressing your breast. So you don't want any more compression. Your, your, your compression injuries is really the subheading of all of this. The bra is a compressive garment and it causes compression injuries because, and the injuries are through circulatory impairment. So clearly you want to let your breasts breathe at night, at least, and you don't want to lean on them because then again, they're not getting proper circulation. So ideally, you know, you, those are the considerations I would say for a bra user and, and that would lower your risk. Sure. Um, but I think it, it, you'll discuss, it won't help you when it comes to the other things the bra may be causing you like reduced breathing, <clears throat> change in heart rate, change in body, core body temperature and hormones. I mean, just having a constrictive bra has been shown to cause all sorts of problems. 
you won't know those problems until you stop using it. And mm -hmm. then you'll see how much better you feel. That's the experiment. Because yeah. I don't know how, how it's going to help you. You know, it depends right. on how tight your bra is right now. I mean, if you're really super tight and you go and get a fitted bra that's looser, but still tight, relative to what you were, it'll feel good. When you stop wearing it all together, you'll get a baseline of a healthy, unconstricted breast that tells you, okay, now my breasts are flushing, they're healthy. And if you then put a bra on, you'll then realize, oh my God, this is, how, how did I put up with that? All right. Exactly what you realize. So, you know, you, that's why I encourage women, even if you're afraid to do it permanently, until you just try it, you won't know what you're missing. And there is no harm in trying it. It is not a medical problem. It's not going to harm your breasts. It's, if anything, you will feel much better at a new woman. I mean, for some women, this changes their lives because their, their physical appearance is so tied in with their sense of self and feeling of disempowerment that when they address this appearance issue for health, it lifts their whole spirit. They feel empowered. They feel like they love themselves. They feel like they're doing a good thing for themselves. And that's health affirming. Yes, yes, that is. Thank you so much for all of your wealth of knowledge and the studies and all the information that subjects have given to you and you've been able to present that to us. I think, you know, when we started this episode, you were saying that this can really change you. And I think just the thought of this is going to really open people's minds. And it'll be interesting to see how many listeners out there. I mean, you know, seriously, if you want to try it, now is a great time. We have the Me Too movement in the United States. Well, in the world, I should say. And um, a lot of us are shelter in place. So this is kind of an easy entry into trying uh, going bra free. I like that term. Um, feeling the freedom of not wearing a bra and see uh, how that can change your life, how that can change your health and uh, also your your whole uh, body view of yourself. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, go ahead and um, take advantage of that. If you want to know more, um, he has a book, Dress to Kill, right? Where can people get that? the resources. So I really suggest people read Dress to Kill, the second edition. It's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, the whole title is Dress to Kill, The Link Between Breast Cancer and Bras. It's available at Amazon and every bookstore. And, um, and I also have a website, brasandbreastcancer.org. Okay. Brasandbreastcancer.org. And that'll give you references and some more information. And then the site to join a self-study is the in, uh, for the International Bra Free Study is at brafreestudy.org. Okay. So with brafreestudy.org and brasandbreastcancer.org and Dress to Kill, you'll have all the information you need to explain why you're going to feel great when you get rid of your bra. Okay. You did mention one other thing. You said something about Facebook. Do you have a Facebook group or site that people can also go to for support? Yes, they can go to Free the Boobies. If you do a, a search on it for a Facebook group, it's Free the Boobies. Um, and just ask to join and, and we'll let you in. And you could see, uh, you can share your experiences and, and uh, get encouragement from other women who are in the group trying to uh, you know, help one another through this, this cultural shift that we need. Yes, a cultural shift indeed. Okay, thank you so much. Um, uh, Sydney, this has been very eye-opening and, and so much fun because, uh, you know, 
hadn't been for him, I didn't even know about the world of medical anthropology. And maybe I'd be in a different profession because I absolutely love this. I love how cultures uh, view health and wellness. And, uh, and I love opening up my mind to different opportunities and possibilities. And so I hope this episode can do that for men and women in this topic. Um, and now you have resources for the support. So thank you so much for, for being here today. Thank you so much for guiding us into this world and sharing your resources. Well, it's my pleasure, Denise. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks for joining the Passionate Health Advocate Show with your host, Denise DeShutler. Like what you hear? Then subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.